Welcome, you're listening to the Granary Young Adults podcast, Unapologetic, a fortnightly podcast where we don't avoid hard conversations, we aim for them. In each episode, we talk about the contentious, taboo and uncomfortable, the topics that no one is speaking about, but everyone is talking about. If you don't want to be challenged, this is not the podcast for you. These aren't sermons or lectures, they're conversations to challenge and activate dialogue as we dig into what God wants to teach us. I'm Rachel Baker, the Young Adults Pastor at the Granary Church. Thanks for listening in, and we hope today's episode challenges and blesses you today. Today, we have Steve Allen joining us. Hi, Steve. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Good, thank you. We um, This is the third part of our podcast series on the authority of the Bible. Um, and I've asked Steve to come along and walk us through specifically how we should read the Bible. So, and thankfully, uh, Steve, you agreed. So, thanks. Great. It's good to be here. <laughs> yeah, good to have thanks you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Mm. I've known Steve actually for a while from when you attended the Granary back in the day, but you and your wife have come back to the Granary more recently. Can you just tell us a bit about who you are, who your family is, and sure. for those well, that might not know? Sure. Well, um, okay, my wife and I are mm. empty nesters now. But when we came to the granary previously, we had two teenage boys living at home still. They'd both grown up and moved away. Both had started having families of their own. Carmen and I, Carmen's my wife, we're living at Karua at the yep. moment. So it takes us about a half hour drive to come to the granary. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been coming here now again for probably 12 months, I suppose, mm. um, after about 10 years away. Yeah. It's, it's good to be back. And you guys have actually been attending the 6 p.m. service um, from the time to time. Yeah. The 6, yeah. Yeah. Which has yeah. been great because um, some of the young adults, after hearing your voice, might then um, be able to meet you as well. Because yeah. 6 p.m. tends to be quite a few of the young adults come to that one. So, yeah. 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 It's been good to be there. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. We've enjoyed having you. Makes and I feel I've... a little bit less old than I normally do. No, it's good. <laughs> So thank you again for coming and chatting with us today. How do we read the Bible? So this is the third part of this uh, discussion. And I guess what I wanted to start off with was when we're opening up scripture, when we're starting to look at the Bible itself, what do you think our heart posture should be when we're beginning that process? Mm, I think that's a really good question, a good place to start. I think our heart posture needs to be one of humility, really. Mm. The way we approach the Bible will depend partly on what we think it is. Yeah. If we approach it as if it's a academic, as if it's a textbook, say, mm-hmm. like it, it'll teach us about history and it'll teach us about this person called Jesus and it'll teach us about who the Israelites were and stuff, you know, it, it's, we treat it as a history book. Yeah. Then coming to the Bible becomes a bit of an academic exercise and it's it's purely cognitive. Mm. But the Bible isn't just a history book. Yeah. I don't believe. The other way that some people can can come to the Bible is to come with a critical attitude that says. I'll read it, but I'm going to pull it to pieces as I go, mm. which is kind of uh, setting my, that would be setting myself up over the Bible rather than allowing the Bible to be over me. So if I really accept the fact that, God is, that, that the Bible is God's word to humanity, that God is speaking to us through, his, through the Bible, the written word, then that ought to change my approach. Mm. That ought to govern my approach to reading it. I won't come to it just as a merely academic exercise. I won't come to it as if I'm the authority that it has to live up to somehow or explain itself to. Yeah. I'll come to it realizing that this is something that's been spoken to us or given to us by the God of the universe and I should pay attention. Mm. It, that's a humble attitude. That's what I mean by having a humility about, about approaching the Bible. Yeah, that's good. How do you, like practically speaking, 
do you have any like tips of how you start that humility process as you come to in? Well, it's it's largely attitude, but also um, I'll consciously um, ask God to speak to me as I read it. Yeah, that's good. And to, I suppose, not necessarily consciously, but I will subconsciously be looking for God to help me with my heart posture as I read it mm. so that I don't wrestle away from the things that he tries to say to me. Yeah. I've often heard it said that if God really is God, then he needs to be someone that can push back to you. Yeah. If you have a relationship with somebody that always agrees with everything you say, mm. then it's hardly a relationship or it's not a very healthy relationship. Yeah. But if you have a relationship with somebody who is prepared to say to you, no, you, I think you've got an issue there or you, know, you need to take a look at this or I don't think you're right on that, then that's a bit more of a dynamic relationship. And I think that's what we've got when we deal with God. Mm. Um, he's somebody that's prepared to talk back to us. But we need to be prepared to accept that Yeah. if we want a relationship with him. Don't expect him just to be my little um, you know, lapdog yeah. and, and do my servant. I love that. I think that probably if you feel like you've got it all covered and nothing's really, you're not wrestling with anything, you're probably not. You're not paying not, attention. Yeah, yeah, you're missing something, right? Mm, so I think so. Yeah, cool. So what happens if, say you're reading through scripture and something jumps out at you that might be different to your worldview or maybe the way that you've interpreted it before, mm. what would you say to people if they're wrestling with, is this just, is this from God that I'm seeing this in a different way? Or mm. like what's a process that you would take if, you're sort of being challenged in something in a new area. Well, I would, I would remember the the humble posture that I started with to start to begin with. That'd be yeah. the first thing I would do. But I'd be talking back to God and saying, "Okay, so can you show me where does this? How does? How should this affect my life? Hmm. Difference should this make to who I am and how I respond to you?" I think one of the things that helps responding to the Bible is is understanding the big picture story that the Bible brings. I don't believe the Bible is like an encyclopedia where you just, you've got a topic you want to answer on, you just look up the index, oh, where's the verse that says something about marriage or where's the verse that says something about mm-hmm. suffering or whatever. It does talk about all of those things, but it's not primarily there to be an encyclopedia or a go-to book for a topic. Mm. It's not set out topically like that. It's yep. a, it's, it is telling a big story about a big problem and a big solution. That's good. I think... Um I mean, I've been guilty of it in the past. I'm sure everybody is where, you know, you've been struggling with something and you do, you go to those Mm. um, reference books and you go, okay, I just want some verses on blank, but taken out of context. Out of context. That's the thing. It's not to say those verses don't speak to marriage or whatever the topic might be, but the the the, ta- the the job that Jesus did in coming to the to the world to solve our problem with God that is the backdrop to everything else mm-hmm. the Bible says on every topic. Yeah, that's good. And so that has to be the context for my wrestling. Yeah. When I'm wrestling with God about an issue and He speaks to me in, in a verse somewhere, then I, part of my part of my thinking has to be, how does this relate to what Jesus did and and the mess that I got myself into and how He's rescued me from it? God's speaking to me on this topic out of the context of what Jesus did for us. Mm, I love that. So you've got a humble posture and a context of the story. It's a gospel worldview. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. A gospel worldview. It has to be, everything we do with God has to be grounded in the gospel. Brilliant. I love that. So if we're starting um, to get into scripture, we've got, we've got this gospel, um, you know, story as the, the preface for getting into it. Where do we start? 
Where, where would you recommend starting when you're reading the Bible? For somebody that hasn't read the Bible before, doesn't know where to start reading, I would suggest reading the Gospels. Yep. The Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They're the first four books of the New Testament, uh, particularly John and Mark, I would suggest. Why is that? Um, Matthew is a little bit harder to get into because it's written to a Jewish audience. And so it's um, it has lots and lots of cultural things that we have to work on understanding before we can really just read it through. Mm. It's all right if you know what those background things are, but if you don't, it's yeah. a bit puzzling. Yeah. Whereas John is very readable, very readable. It was written to a, a, like a Gentile audience, a non-Jewish audience, a yeah. Greek audience. And um, I've heard the book of John described as being, um, being like a pool of water that is shallow enough for a baby to swim in, a ba- shallow enough for a baby to wade in or deep enough for an elephant to swim in. Wow, that's so great. It's very shallow that. and very deep at the same time. Yep. It's very, very deep, but it's readable. Accessible. Mm, very accessible. Yeah, <clears throat> so great. I recommend the book of John to, to anybody. And the book of Mark is also good because um, it's quite short. Yep. And, and it was written to a Greek audience as well who didn't know all the Jewish stuff and all the background that, you, that the Jews would have known. Yeah. So those two books would be the most accessible, I would mm. say. And then it's always good to probably read the Psalms and the Proverbs. They're also pretty accessible, as long as you understand what they are. What are they? Well, the book <laughs> of Proverbs is not a bunch of ironclad promises. Yeah. It's a bunch of tips for life, which are good. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like general principles, you know. Bring up a child in the way he should go, he should go, and he will not depart from it. That's not an ironclad promise, but it's a it's a general principle that mostly works. Yeah, great. and it's good stuff to read. Mm. Good things to run your life by. It is a good thing to bring up a child the way he should go. So mm. to go and do it. They're also, I mean, you've just said that from memory as well. Mm. I like to call back to them because they tend to be shorter and easier yes. to memorize. They're memorable. Yeah. They are memorable. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Psalms are good too because they they speak to um, they speak to a whole range of different human experiences. They, there's there's Psalms there that are full of joy and celebration and and magnificence of of God, talking about how great God is. There's others there are full of lament and how terrible life is and mm-hmm. asking where God is when's where when I'm in the, it's all this mess. Yeah. Where are you, Lord? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they're not necessarily readable as as easily read as the as the proverbs are, mm. but they're useful to read. They're useful yeah. to read and they can speak to the emotional part of us very, very well. Mm. But we need to remember this, this is a hymn book that yep. we're reading. Yeah. It's, it's not prose. It's not, it's not a narrative. Mm. It's a song, a song lyrics. I think, I think what you're saying about the range of emotion that it mm. captures as well is important. I think yeah. that, you know, Christians have to have it all together and yeah. um, suffering is because, you know, something yeah. you've done something wrong and yeah, that's it's, right. it's all there, isn't it? That these and are sometimes, things it's sometimes suffering is because you, even though you haven't done anything wrong. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I think it's great to read the Psalms for that reason. For, yeah. to, because if you don't, you, you can end up with the idea that, oh, if I'm a Christian, my life's going to go perfectly smoothly. Yeah. And um, when something goes wrong, we think, well, Christianity didn't work. That was a waste of time. Yep. When the Bible is brutally honest about what it can be like to be living for God in a broken world, yep. it can be sometimes harder to be a Christian in a broken world than it is to forget about God. Yeah. But that's the, that's the truth of it. Yeah. And the Bible is honest about that. Mm. So the Psalms are good to read for that sort of reason. doesn't mean they're necessarily fun to read all the time. You know, sometimes songs of necessary. lamentation are not fun to read. Yeah. But they can be good for you. Yeah. What about any um, tread carefully books where you kind of go without oh, yeah. some context? Maybe. Yes. Um, yeah. You yeah. Know. There are. There's. Yeah. I can think of a few off the top of the head. Leviticus would be one. Mm-hmm. 
um, you, there's, there's some really technical Jewish cultural things in there that you would need a you'd need a commentary to help you understand that. Yeah. I wouldn't sit down and read Leviticus without a commentary. I love that you're mentioning commentary because um, I wonder how many of the listeners would have commentaries on any of the books of the Bible or mm. have ever referenced them before. Can you just give us a brief? What so is it? A commentary is is a book that's written. Basically, it's an interpretation that's been written by somebody, somebody's take on what the book means, but it's it's done by somebody who's a scholar, who's who's got the academic credentials to really dig into it and look at all technical aspects of where this book came from who wrote it what it means what was the background Mm. um so it's not it wouldn't be like me sitting down and writing a book about leviticus yeah it's like it's a professor sitting down and writing it somebody who knows academically uh, what needs to be known to understand the book properly yeah great um so so there's a lot of value in reading good commentaries a lot of value so if somebody's struggling with something it's a good good resource if, yeah. if you can I mean, get it's your not necessarily it. your first place to go but it's a good place because they're hard to read they're yeah. academic books yeah but they are a good place to go if you're struggling with it and this passage doesn't make any sense i don't understand what this is talking about go and see read a commentary and you'll often get some light yeah on it well we sometimes will have um some of our young adults will say you know i want to go deeper um with mm. reading scripture yeah Maybe that's a good um, yeah. challenge to get your hands on some commentaries of good, some difficult yeah. books of the Bible. Those are some of the tools I use when I'm putting a, a message together. Yeah. Another one would be a concordance. I mean, there's apps that you can get for this kind of stuff now yeah. rather than a hard copy necessarily. But a concordance is great because it helps you understand what the actual Greek words mean or the yeah. Hebrew words that have been said there. Yeah. So that you're not, um, you're not just guessing from an English translation. Mm. Translations are great. But if you really want to go deep and understand some of the nuances under the surface, then it's good to understand some of the languages underneath. Yeah. Mm. I think I think you should never read a passage and kind of go, well, nothing much here for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's an unusual verse that doesn't say anything. Yeah. 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 It's There's enough places to look to make every verse yeah. Yeah, yep. um, more helpful. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Good. So there are there are probably are a few books that books of the Bible that you'd probably want to be careful with that yep. just jump straight in. Romans would be another one. Yep. That's hard going. Yep. Very, very good book, but it's hard going. You need you need help to understand it. Mm-hmm. Hebrews would be another one. Yep. Very, very Jewish in its background. So there's stuff there that won't make any sense to somebody that doesn't have an understanding of the Jewish context. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all good books. Yeah, all important. But mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Proceed with caution. Proceed in with terms caution of- on some of those. That's yeah. right. Yeah, fair. Mm. So we're talking about reading scripture. Do you think it's important to read scripture or can we just hear about it from preaching and teaching? Oh, that's Why? such a good question. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I think it's vitally, well, I think it's important to do both mm-hmm. um, because they both do two different things. Okay. Um, I actually wrote myself some notes about this because it was a good question. The, the task of preaching is to do some of, some of what the commentator does, actually, to, to dig into the, into the Bible, the passage that we're looking at, mm-hmm. and to get a bit of a technical understanding of what the original writer was saying to the original audience. Now, that may, that may say nothing to our, direct, to our context straight away. Mm-hmm. It, may be, it may be talking about the, the, I don't know, let's say the custom of foot washing, yep. right? It meant something very clear to the people at the time, but it might not really mean anything to us. But the preacher's job is to work out what was the what was the the writer talking about when he was mentioning this foot washing. What's the lesson he wanted his original readers to learn? What's the principle 
that he wanted his readers to learn and then take that principle and bring it to today and say, okay, this is how we should apply that principle to us. So in the example of foot washing, he, you know, Jesus was teaching his disciples to serve one another. Yep, okay. He, he wasn't establishing a ceremony that we should all you know, perform for the rest of eternity, mm-hmm. foot washing each other's feet. But we should serve one another. So the preacher's job is to, is to say, okay, brothers and sisters, how, how can you serve the people next to you? It may or may not be to do with foot washing, but it might be cleaning their toilet. It might be making them a meal. You know, there's lots of different ways to do it. But his job is to in, to interpret, to take the interpretation or the principle and bring it to today. Yeah. So that's that's the first thing the preacher does, and that's a very hard thing for each individual to do for themselves. Yeah. You you can do it if you dig into all the commentaries and stuff, but mm. that's what the preacher's job is, and it's important to get that because he's got experience, and he's also got um. He's got the job of trying to take that principle and apply it to a room full of people. Yeah. Not just to you or not just to himself, but to everybody that's sitting there in a general sort of a way. Mm. So it's very important and very helpful, but it's also um, it's very limited when you're preaching. You've got a time slot that you've got to stick to. Yep. And you've got to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And that means that you can only cover a certain amount of material, which most likely are going to raise questions Yep. For, your, for your hearers, yeah. which they can't ask mm. and you can't spend time answering mm. unless you think of them ahead of time and you squeeze them in somehow. Yeah. But you've got to, as a preacher, you've got to think about what do I leave out of this sermon? There's always so much to say. What do I leave out? Yeah. It's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing I've ever found about preaching is keeping to the time limit because there's so much to say. Yeah, that's good. So it's limited for time and it's limited for how, how specifically a how specific the preacher can apply the thing to each individual. You can't be specific with each individual. Yeah. Um, it's only a general application, whereas the individual can go home and read the Bible and read a verse about foot washing and saying, hmm, I should be serving somebody. I can make mum a meal. Yeah. Right? Specific. I can, I can find out what God wants me to do specifically in my life in relation to that particular lesson that he wants me to learn. Mm. The individual, when you're sitting there listening to a sermon and you've got questions, you, not only can you not a- ask the questions, but you also can't just pause and digest what you're hearing. Yeah. Because the preacher's got to keep moving. Mm. He's got to get all this material out in 20 minutes or 30 minutes yeah. or whatever it is. And so you've, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Now, what's he saying now? You, you can't really stop. It's hard. I can't even take notes when I'm listening to a sermon because mm. I've got to listen to what they're saying. So, again, it's hard for the individual to, to digest everything that's there, but you can when you're sitting at home reading the Bible. Yep. Because you can carve out the time you need. Yep. And you can pause long enough for God to speak to you. The other limitation with the preaching is that it's usually once a week, maybe twice a week. Yep. Whereas at home, you can be constantly feeding on the Word. Yep. You can be feeding yourself every day. Yeah. And it is. It's like food. Yeah. And so if you, if you were just having a meal once a week but, and somebody else was spoon feeding you, then you, you're probably not going to be all that healthy. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what it's like if you just rely on preaching. Preaching's great. Yep. But it's certainly. But it's not. The whole I meal. know as a preacher that that cannot possibly feed everybody the way they need to be fed. Yeah, that's good. And I think something too, like you you were saying, if you've got a question or um, you don't even have time to write it down, but if you don't know scripture, how do you know if you've got a question? Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's right. Because having a familiarity with the Bible. Yeah gives the Holy Spirit something to work with when he wants to put his finger on something in your life. Yeah, it's good. I find all the time, when I'm, if I'm listening to a sermon, echoes are going off in the back of my mind all the time. But that's like that verse and such and such. And that's like where Jesus said this. And that's what Paul said over there. And yeah. 
But that's only because I've spent a lifetime of reading the Bible and, and just letting it soak in. Yeah. That's not an overnight thing. You know, nobody's, nobody expects a person to start reading the Bible today and suddenly have all these echoes happening tomorrow. Yeah. It, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Just like exercise doesn't happen overnight either. You don't lose weight overnight. You know, all these things take time. Mm. And the feeding on the Bible is the same. Yeah, that's good. Mm. We've got the advantage now of being able to go back and listen to podcasts. So yeah. we've got that, yeah. um, you know, ability to listen back. You can but, re-listen. Mm. But, um, but I also wonder how many people actually will go back and listen, um, mm. you know, to every sermon. So you want to make yeah. sure that you're sort of following along and, and asking those questions as you go. They might lead you into a different direction in yeah. your own um, study time. But yeah, and you can go and follow it up yourself later. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's a good habit to get into. Mm. This next question that we've got is more about what we do with Scripture. So the question that I've got for you is, can we believe and obey only part of Scripture or is it important to follow the entire Bible? This is a good question too. The short answer, I think, is that we need to believe all of it. Yeah. But let me clarify what I mean by that because straight away some people are going to be mm. misunderstanding my answer. As I said before, we have to understand what the Bible is and what it isn't. Yeah. The Bible is not a storybook, even though it contains stories. It's not just a narrative from beginning to end telling a story. The Bible isn't a science textbook. It's not purporting to be explaining scientific facts to us. Yeah. That's not what it's there for. Mm. It touches on things that t- science might touch on, but it's not a science book. Yeah. It's not a rule book, even though there are some rules in it. Mm. It's it's not just a book full of rules. Yeah. And it's not an encyclopedia, like I said before. It doesn't. Um, it it has tips for life in it, but it, it's it doesn't have an index where you just look up your favourite topic and just go to that. Mm. As I was saying before, the Bible's the whole purpose of the Bible is to point to Jesus, and it's all about how He solves our problem with God. We need to understand that before we think about how much of it do we believe and how much of it understand what it's for first that's good it shows it the bible shows us in fact everything in the bible is going to be pointing to one of several things it'll be either showing us what god is like yeah it'll be showing us what we're like mm-hmm. and out of that it'll be showing us the problem we've got yeah with god or the problem he's got with us and and the thir- fourth thing is that it'll be showing us the solution that god made yeah, okay. For those for the problem that yeah, we created. So if we think of those four things, who God is, who we are, what the problem is and what the solution is, yep. everything in the Bible fits under one of those categories. Mm. And so when we look at things like, you know, the six days of creation and suddenly you've got a debate going on, is was it really literal six days or was it scientific and I mean does how does the Bible fit up with science when the science seems to think we've been around for millions of years? In the end, that's not an important question for me. Mm. Honestly, it's not. Yeah. We are here. We got here somehow. Yeah. I don't care whether it was six days or six million years. Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant. And the Bible, as I said, is not a science book and it's not purporting to tell a scientific explanation for how we got here. It's not a scientific explanation. Mm. So it's a big mistake to come to the Bible and say, look at that, six days. What a lot of nonsense. Yeah. It must be rubbish yeah. because the Bible is not claiming to make a scientific explanation. Mm. So we can still believe things. I can accept what the Bible says about the six days of creation because it's not, its main point is that God made everything. Mm. The main point is not whether it was six days or not. The things that the Bible teaches 
that God made the world, that it got messed up by our disobedience, that God did something about it, that Jesus came and solved that problem. That's what I believe because that's the main message of the Bible. So when I say we need to believe all of the Bible, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We need to believe the, the thrust of the Bible. Don't get put off by the details that are hard to understand. Yeah. And don't come to the Bible and dismiss it because there's a detail yep. that doesn't seem in our modern understanding to fit with mm. what we think of science when it was never intended as a science book. Yeah, you know? that's good. I think we can, we can really get the, um, what's the word? We can get the bull by the tail. We can get the cart before the horse. I love that. I love that you're saying what the Bible is, what it's claiming to be and what it isn't. Yeah. I think that's a really important way mm. of approaching it yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I it think changes the way you read it. It yeah. does. And I think it changes the way that um, I suppose that we might feel that we have to defend it as well. Yes. Because um, yeah. in a secular perspective, there are lots of ways of dismissing scripture. Yeah. And if we're trying to fight it to say, no, it, it does prove these things, yeah. that proves science or, yeah. Um, yeah, you can get into a argument oh. that you, you're probably not going to come out looking like the winner. You so. become like a couple of five-year-olds arguing who, about whose dad is stronger. Yeah. No, mine is. No, yours, mine is. You know, it's, it's pointless. It's a yeah. silly fight, I mm. think. That's good. So pointing them back to what it is. Yeah, I like it. what it really is. I mean, Jesus is the crux of all of it. Mm. If The way I look at it, if, if you can work your way through the issues of who Jesus claimed he was, yeah. and is, is he true? Is he, is he right about that? Mm. Did he rise from the dead? Yeah. Then all the other stuff falls into place because he believed the Bible was from God. Yeah. He appointed the disciples who wrote the, the rest of the New Testament. Mm. You know, if Jesus is right, then the Bible is right. Yeah. In my view. Yeah, it's back to that gospel. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's great. We've kind of touched on this one already, but if daily Bible reading isn't a rule, if we're saying the Bi- scripture is not a rule book, mm. even though it says to read the Bible every yeah. day, why do we do it? We do it because it's food. Mm. That's, that's the bottom line. Mm. You know, the Christian life really is not about rules. Mm. And I think whether it's to do with Bible reading or praying or meeting with others or turning up to church so many times a week or any of that. Yeah. The Christian life is not about a bunch of rules. Yeah. That was how, that was the only way to relate to God before Jesus came. Mm. But when Jesus came, he obeyed the rules for us. Yeah. You know, he ticked all the boxes that we couldn't tick for ourselves, mm. which means that there is grace for us when we can't or don't tick the boxes. Yeah. And it changes, the, it changes the context of our faith. Our faith is no longer about me performing well for God, therefore he owes me a good life. That's what it used to be like. That's yeah. how people, and that's how religious people still see it. Yeah. If, I, if I perform well, if I'm good, if I turn up to church, if I read my Bible so many times a week, yep. then God owes me a good life. Yeah. That's religion, mm. but that is not Christianity. Yeah. Christianity, it's not the gospel. The gospel says... I am presenting God with a bad life mm. and Jesus swapped it for a, his good life. Yeah. And therefore, I want to know more about him. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to meet with other people who love him. Mm. That's relationship-based. It's not rule-based. Mm. It's entirely different. And I think you're talking too about something that happens in your heart where you seek these things out Yes. when that changes. Cause yeah. I think there's also the um, maybe temptation for some people to say, well, it isn't a rule. 
So mm. I'm going to do as the little bare minimum. as I possibly can. Yeah, just an, just the minimum to get me to heaven. Yeah. It's a bit like the person who goes to college and and uh, aims for D's because D's get degrees. Yeah, it's to do with our hunger. In fact, that was one word that I had written down here. Is that That's you, good, yeah. you don't need a rule to read the Bible because you don't need a rule to eat your dinner. Yeah, you don't need a rule that says eat three square meals a day. It's your hunger that makes you do that. Mm. And it's exactly the same. With reading the Bible, mm. if if you understand who Jesus is and what He's done for you, you will be hungry. Yeah, you will be hungry for Him. Mm. You want to know more about Him that's and how good. to be like Him. Yeah, that's good. Mm. I think I think it helps to put into perspective, even when you're finding it hard to find the time. Yeah, that you'll be desiring that anyway, and you'll yeah. carve it out. You'll find yep. it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think it's I think it's a mistake. Some people struggle with, look, I was too busy or I was too tired to read my Bible today. Is God going to strike me down? Or am I having a bad day because I didn't read my Bible today? Yeah, yep. Yep, that's yep. not how it works at all. Mm. That's, re- that's religious thinking. Yeah. Whereas in a relationship, a relationship of grace that God offers us, look, if I can't read my Bible today because something happened or I was too yep. tired or I slept in or, you know, I had other things that I had to do, I'll, I'll read it tomorrow. Yeah. And you let's know, be I'm honest, still hungry. We, we, we've all yeah. had days or periods of time. Yes. I mean, I'd say that about myself. Yeah. Um, new babies yeah. yes. didn't, didn't get very much Bible reading done for a good chunk of time. And, yeah. and I think that the grace that's given in those yeah. um, times is, I'm glad that we've got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's, it, God is not about rules. Yeah. Hunger though. I like that. Mm. If you look at it in terms of how hungry are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll come from understanding who Jesus is. Yeah. Like falling in love with him makes all the difference. Mm. Yeah, mm. heart change. Yeah. It's great. Yep. What can we learn from looking at the way that Jesus read scripture? And can that apply to us? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Is that clear enough? <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, um, I think there are, we can learn a few things from how Jesus read scripture. There are some of, some of the things we learn are things that were unique to him. Mm. And some of them are things that we can imitate. So I, I did make a few notes about that. Yeah, good. The first thing I thought of was that Jesus' Jesus' Bible that he had was the Old Testament. Yeah. What we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. Jesus saw them as primarily speaking about him. Yeah. Now, I can't say that about myself. <laughs> yeah, fair. I can't say any of the Bible <laughs> speaks about me. Yeah. It speaks to me. Yes. Um, and it speaks about me in a general way, but it doesn't It doesn't speak about Steve Allen. We might be ending the podcast if you'd said that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but Jesus, Jesus, you know, upset the apple cart because yeah. he, he clearly said that he believed the Bible was talking about him. Yeah. I've written down a couple of verses. In John chapter 5, he's having a debate with the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And he says to them, you, you guys, in other words, you, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Mm. Now, it couldn't be any clearer what yeah. he was saying there. The, those Old Testament scriptures where you, you're so adamant about, that's where you get your life from. They're all about me. You need me. Me, 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 me. And he wasn't embarrassed about saying that because he knew that was the truth of it. Yeah. There was another verse um, from Luke. You remember the story where after Jesus had risen from the dead, there was a couple of the disciples, unnamed disciples, who were walking on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus came up and spoke to them without them realizing who he was. And in verse 27, this is Luke chapter 24, verse 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Mm. So very clearly, again, he's, he's teaching them 
the Old Testament, guys, you, you, you might not realize it, but this is all about me. Didn't you realize who I was when mm. I was with you? Mm. So that's something that is uniquely Jesus. He, he, and, but the thing is, we can learn from that. Not that the Bible speaks about me, but we need to remember, like I've been saying, that the Bible speaks about Jesus. That is who it's about. Yeah, that's From good. beginning to end, it's yep. about Jesus. And that will set the, uh, the tone for how we read it and how we understand it, how we apply it even. Um, so I think that's important. Yeah, that's good. It also shaped a lot of what he did. Uh, things like healing lepers and feeding the 5,000. If, if, you, if you read in the background, if you read up on these verses, you'll realize that what he was doing there had echoes back in the Old Testament. There were things that happened in the Old Testament times that Jesus was pointing to by doing these miracles. Yeah. So, so his understanding of the Old Testament shaped a lot of what he did yeah, in his ministry. Good. And he would have been... Oh, sorry, the people around him would have also been picking up on those things too. Sometimes I forget that and then when you read it again with the understanding that actually these are Jewish people that would have known that this was actually pointing to something in their scripture that, oh, it meant something different than just, oh, we got some bread. That's right. It was was very, very clear and sharp imagery for them. They understood. One of the other things that Jesus did with scripture that, was unique to him was that he reinterpreted mm. a lot of it. So you think about the Sermon on the Mount yep. and times where he says, you have heard it said, you know, um, thou shalt not be divorced. I say, don't even be, don't be, even be unfaithful. Don't even look at a woman with lust. Yep. He reinterprets the scripture. Now that was, that was a big taboo. Like yeah. that was a big no-no for anybody to take the scripture and say something else yes. alongside it. And he spoke about it with authority over it um so that was uniquely jesus as well yeah not for us not for us no that's not something for us to do yeah but we need to understand again that that jesus um the scripture was written by jesus not just about him but it was written by him it was Mm -hmm. his word to reinterpret he was entitled to do that so the things he says about the old testament are all stuff that we should be listening to and paying attention to yeah good but there's a couple of things that he did that that we can imitate one of them is that he allowed the old testament scripture just to permeate his thinking which Mm. is what i've already been saying by us having it as food having the scripture as food letting it soak into us so that it becomes a rich part of how we think and to give you a bit of a clue on how how deeply um jesus did this if you think about how you behave when you're under extreme stress, mm. if somebody's pointing a gun at you, yeah. you will say the first thing that comes into your head. You, you won't think out a carefully thought out piece of prose, mm-hmm. you know, and you won't start reciting a poem that you know, yeah. like even though it might be well written, you won't do that. You will say whatever comes naturally to your head when you're under pressure. Yeah. When Jesus was on the cross... He was under the most excruciating pressure you can imagine. Mm. And what did he say? He was quoting scripture left, right and center. Yeah, that's um, good. And so that shows you how deeply he allowed it to permeate his thinking. And I think there's something that we can imitate there. Yeah, I love that. We can, um, it, it'll be good for us to have the scripture as part of how we think, mm. not, not just a verse that we can quote every so often, but it's so naturally part of us that we would, we would think of it even when we were under pressure like that. Yeah. Another thing that he, he did that we should imitate is that he used the scripture when he was in battle, when he was fighting the enemy. If you look at Matthew chapter 4, that's the story of Jesus going out into the wilderness and being tempted and the, and the, and the devil came alongside him and tempted him in all these different ways. Yep. Jesus used scripture mm. as his defense. 
Uh, he could only do that because he knew the scripture. Yeah. And there's a lesson for us. Yeah. You know, if we know the scripture and we understand, I don't just mean a little handy verse to quote. Yeah. But understanding what the Bible teaches, understanding who God is and who we are, and the yep. fact that Jesus has rescued us, mm. there's security in that, and and we need to have that if we're going to have any chance of fighting against the enemy. Well, the Bible talks about the Bible being the sword, the sword. and the sword of the spirit. Yeah, that's um, right. That image always sticks with me because you know, if you just look at it as that, though it's just some words on paper. Yeah. Um, versus this is actually we're being equipped with something here. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's far more far more um, potent yeah. than just a written piece of piece of writing. Yeah, hmm. that's good. So I reckon that's what we can learn from yeah. from how Jesus read the Bible. Amazing. This has been really good, and now I'm actually like keen i'm like oh, i want to go back i've got my i've got a concordance and I, there's a few things that i actually have thought of while we've been chatting mm. i'm like oh i'd actually love to go back and and see a little bit more about what that is and i think it's that um it's so exciting when you get that passion and that yeah. um yep. desire to get into the word yeah um and yeah we all go through um peaks and valleys but like you said feeding on it yeah um and not just relying on others to to spoon feed it is no. I mean, um, brilliant. You know, peop, you know, babies don't grow up to be twenty one year olds still being spoon fed unless there's something seriously wrong. Yeah. And that's how we ought to be as Christians. Yeah. You know, we as as we grow in maturity as Christians, we ought to be able to feed ourselves. Yeah. And eventually feed others. Yeah, that's good. You know, that's that's the sign of Christian maturity mm. when you can start meeting other people's needs yeah but if you if you've been spoon-fed well i mean paul talks about that in one of one of his letters doesn't he about by now you should be feeding other people but you're Mm. still needing milk yeah that's this is what he's talking about yeah and that responsibility falls on us too nobody's gonna come in and say you're ready now you need to so yeah Yeah, that's right yeah no that's good Thank you so much. It's been really helpful, really enlightening, and I'm excited because now I feel, um, yeah, like I said, excited to go and look a few things up. But um, this is a great third part to this series, and I think um, it's going to bless a lot of the people that have heard this and hopefully challenge some people too. And um, as we've said at the end of the other podcasts, um, if you've got any questions or thoughts or you disagree with anything, Mm. let's start a conversation. So make sure you, yeah, let us know. Great. Thanks again, Steve. Thanks for having me. Been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this has been eye-opening, challenging, and if you disagree with anything we've said, that you're looking to Scripture as you prepare your rebuttal. We would love to hear from you if there's anything you interpret differently, feel we've left anything unaddressed, or if you just want to hear more about what we were talking about today. Please share the episode if you found it interesting and subscribe to get notified when new episodes are published. And for more information about the podcast or Granary Young Adults, connect with us on socials at Granary Young Adults. 